Well, it's nice to have you all out here on our Good Friday service. Of course, you all know that Jesus didn't die on Friday. More than likely, it was Wednesday. You just can't get there three days and three nights from Friday to Sunday. It just doesn't happen. We've gone over those things before, but there's only so many things that happened on that Friday. So no matter what, you're going to be going over them a few times if you want to have a Good Friday service. We're going to go over one that we've gone over a few times, but we're going to look at it from maybe from a different different point of application here. And that's over in John chapter 13, verse 1. John chapter 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and they had come from God and was going to God. That's quite a qualification. All these things that Jesus knew. After that, it says, Then he rose from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. He needed to, he needed to know all these. The Word of God wanted us to know he knew all these things before he did it. He didn't just wash the disciples' feet. He knew who he was, why he came, what was going to happen that day, and where he was going. I've heard people talk about the last days of Jesus in such a way as if you knew that today was your last day with all the people that were close to you, what would you be saying to them? Well, Jesus knew this is the last day he was going to be with his disciples. They didn't know it was the last day he was going to be with them, but he did. He told them, but they didn't hear it. But Jesus knew this is the last day. If this is your last day, you generally focus on the things that are most important. The things that you want them to get down the most. This is your last day. I'm sure he thinks that everything that he's taught them so far is important. But this is something, and I need you to get hold of this. I need you to, to know what's going to happen here. And so he knew all these things. He knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it in the heart of Judas to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. Then it talks about what he did. Jesus rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Now, if you're watching, the, if you're disciples and you're watching Jesus do this, and you're, you're seeing that, hey, Jesus just got up from supper. He's over there. He's... He's getting something in the, in the wash bin. They don't know this is the last day. They're wondering, what is Jesus doing? Why is Jesus doing this? Why did he lay his garment aside? Why is he doing these things? They're, they're wondering in themselves, what's Jesus trying to do? So he went to the first one and he washed their feet. Went to the second one and washed their feet. We don't know how many he washed before he came to Simon Peter, but when he came to Simon Peter, him being the vocal one, 
said, Lord, you're washing my feet. He didn't want him to be washing his feet. Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. Now he knew who would betray him. For a while I just said he knew one of them would betray him. But now he knew who would betray him. Did Jesus skip washing his feet? <laughs> no. Did he wash his feet different? No. Could you? I don't know what I would do in that. Coming up to a person you know, he's about, he's, he already pretty much has betrayed you. He's already let Satan into his heart. And you know what he's going to go out and do. Hmm. He says to the disciples, what I am doing, you do not understand now. How many of y'all know, we've gone over this before, but how many of y'all know, you can understand when someone washes your feet. That's not hard to understand. I can get that. But he says, what I am doing, you do not understand now. But you will. You're going to understand this. The day will come. Of course, Peter, once he uh, understood that, hey, you've you got to do this well, then don't just stop my feet. Let's do the whole thing. The word there to bathe, bathe is the Greek word luo, means to bathe, to wash the whole body. But Jesus is talking about washing. It's the Greek word nipto means to cleanse, especially the hands, feet, or face. He says, no, you don't need a whole bath. What you need is, is just this part. I'm sure the disciples would have liked to have gotten up and have done this, but Jesus had to do this. Jesus had to do this for them. We've got a whole lot of teaching that goes on around now about people who say we don't need to confess our sins. No, you do. Because we've been bathed. But once we've been bathed, well, we can walk around, we can pick up a little bit of dirt here and there. And Jesus says, you don't need to be bathed again. You don't need to get, need to get saved again. You just need someone to come in and to wash your feet. And he says, Peter, if I don't do this for you, if I don't do this for you, you have no part with me. And Peter did not want to have that. He, he wanted to have a part with him. He says, well, then, won't you stop there? He says, no, you don't need to do that. goes on in verse 12. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now, he says to him, what I'm doing, you don't understand. And then he sits down and he says, do you know what I've done to you? What are they going to say? You washed their feet. Because that's all the understanding they have. But they're eventually going to get the meaning of this. That Jesus is talking about that place of forgiveness that is there for Christians. That when we miss it, we get dirty. We get our feet dirty before God. And God says, that's all right. Come on in. Jesus is the cleanser. He's the one who's going to come in. He's going to clean you up. 
And he's, he's going to do that. When Jesus comes in and cleanses you, he pulls you up to his level. That's why he tells Peter, you know, you, you, can't, you can't do this. I need to do this for you. Because Peter could only pull people up to his level. But Jesus can pull us up to his level. That's a better place to be. That's why we need to come before Jesus and say, Jesus, I missed it. And Jesus says, that's right, I'll clean you up. And he pulls us back up to his level. We need to be at that, that place of righteousness. But Jesus did this from a place of knowing who he was. When you do what you do from a place of knowledge, knowledge of who you are, when you do what you do from a place of knowing who you are, what you do has purpose. What most people do, what most people do is they do what they do from a place of hearing what others want. And we do that. People come to us and say, I want you to do this. But we don't do it from a place of knowing who we are. When you know who you are, you know why you're here, you know where you're going, and what you do has purpose. If you don't hold on to those things, then what you tend to do, purpose is mostly lacking. Just because people ask you to do something doesn't mean you ought to. Jesus wasn't always willing to do whatever anyone asked him. There was a purpose. Remember the woman who came to him and says, come and heal my daughter? And Jesus wasn't even talking to her. Why? Because he knew why he came. Why did he come? I came for the lost sheep of Israel. But when she came from a place of faith, Jesus also came to minister to faith. Okay, we can keep within the purpose here. Jesus didn't minister from a need. He ministered from a place of purpose. We need to do the same thing. Too often we're pulled off by need. So-and-so has a need. Well, that doesn't mean that you need to jump on it. What's your purpose? What's your purpose? Sometimes, folks, we're doing things and we're hindering other people. Holding them back. Some people need to stand up on their own two feet. Some people need to stand up and do the, the job their faith is supposed to do. But they're not doing it because they keep relying on you. No, you need to back off on that. That's, that's important. It's important to do. We were setting up things here in the, in the meeting. They needed some songs set up. Daryl wasn't here yet. I can jump in there and do that. But I knew somebody who needed to get in there and do it. So we, we brought somebody else in there and put them in there to do it. Why? Don't just jump on needs. Just because there's a need doesn't mean that you have to jump on it. Because a lot of times the enemy is trying to pull us off because of the need. He's trying to pull you out of what you're supposed to be doing. Don't be doing it. Make sure you have purpose. Make sure you know why you're you're here. You do what you don't, what you weren't sent here for. Somebody else was sent. You're getting in their way. Don't get in other people's way. Let those other folks do the thing they're supposed to be doing. That's a good thing. Where do we leave off at? Verse 14. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Is he talking about washing feet? No, because he says what I'm doing, you don't understand. So if we're going to do what he did, we need to first of all understand what he did. 
And then once we understand what he did, we can go out there and do it, right? We settle for mimicking Jesus' actions instead of understanding his intent. We're not here to mimic Jesus' actions. We're here to understand his intent and do what he wants. That's what we're here to find out. What did Jesus intend? What Jesus is showing them is he says, you are not all clean. There's one of them there that had left the place of being born again. They rejected it. But he said, the rest of you are okay. And he says, you just need to be cleaned up. Jesus would bring them up to his level. Can we bring other people up to the level where Jesus is at? No. Jesus is at that, that level. It's Jesus' righteousness that they wear. Not yours. Not mine. It's his. But he gave us an example. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus is showing. Of course, we can't get anybody born again. Jesus does that. But what we can do is forgive people. And that's what, when we come to confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus is a cleanser. We need to become cleansers. But I can't cleanse to the level that Jesus can. So what am I supposed to do in becoming a cleanser? Got a scripture here for you I want you to go to. Matthew chapter 7 verse 1. This is, the question, this is the verse that is quoted so often. I love seeing this thing on Facebook, but especially put up by people who don't understand the Word of God, who don't believe the Word of God. But how many of y'all know they know this verse? And they throw this verse out all the time. Judge not, that you be not judged. They throw that out all the time. It's amazing how many people will quote the Bible who don't understand it or to believe it. It amazes me. How do you know you're not getting it wrong? How do you know that you don't totally mess up what it's saying? And if they ever went past this verse, they might be afraid. <laughs> Judge not that you be not judged. I mean, he clears the whole thing up right here. Verse 2. For with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, remember we told you before about answering people who to throw that thing out? This is exactly the same concept. In other words... However you judge me is how God's going to judge you. He doesn't have to hold you to the standard of the word to judge you. He can judge you out of your own mouth. He can judge you out of your own understanding. And you are condemned. That's all he's got to do. It doesn't matter if it's true what you believe or not. Judge not that you be not judged. Is what they'll, they'll throw around. For with the For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. Well, the people who say this are judging you for having an opinion. So therefore, if you have been judged for having an opinion, then that judgment will fall upon them. How many of y'all know they have some wrong opinions? For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own? Now, people, some people look at that verse and they stop there and they think, well, we all have planks in our eyes so we can't take care of anybody's specs. But that's not what he's saying. He does not say that. 
What he's saying is, you've got something going on in your life. Take care of it first. After you take care of it, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> Sit there and say, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> nope. Nope. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Well, it makes sense, doesn't it? If you've got something in your eye, you can't necessarily go over and take out something in somebody else's eye. So he doesn't say, well, you're never qualified. What he says is, take care of your own life first. After you take care of your own life, go help them out. Go over there and do something for them. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine. You all know that verse too. It comes right from this section of scripture. Lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Don't give to people what they do not respect or see as valuable. Now, I just heard a story of a, of a you know, this whole thing is, is going on um, news, news media. They, I don't know why people bring these folks in their home. But anyway, there's the, this, this Indiana law that you know that had gone into, into play. You know, the, the law mimics the law that the Democrats brought in and that Bill Clinton signed. 1992 was the year. You know why they, that law was brought in, the Freedom of Religious Act? So that Native Americans could smoke pot legally. That's why they brought something in. But the way it is written, it has application to protect anyone with a religious belief. But that's the law, 1992. So what Indiana did was they wrote a law in line with that to make it part of their state. And, and some other states have, I've heard that about half the states have similar laws like this. Half the states have similar laws. But they decided that Indiana was the racist state. And so they went all around and apparently they couldn't find anybody within the city. So they went about 20 miles south and they found a little pizza owner. Did you hear the interview with the little pizza owner? Little interview, little, little lady owns a pizza shop. And they came on in and they said, if, uh, if a gay couple came in here and asked you to cater their wedding, would you do it? And she said, well, because of our religious beliefs, I, we, we probably wouldn't do that. Now, my response, when, she, when I heard her say that, my first response was, anybody who's stupid enough to have a pizza place cater their wedding, you just need to say no right off the bat. You know, I don't care if it's straight, what kind of a wedding it is. If you want a pizza place to cater your wedding, come on. There, there's got to be something wrong here. I think you just say no. Just, but anyway, she was trying to give a nice answer. She was, you know, the news people had come into her shop. And before the news people left the shop, she was getting tweets and texts and emails, hate ones, threatening ones, so much so that they, they closed the place down. They were afraid for their life. Now, how does that happen in a little rinketing place way out of nowhere? Because they were all set up for you. Actually, whenever they do these things, you've got about a half dozen people, maybe more, that have this thing set up. Most of those, those uh, messages are coming from out of state. They have a, thing, a mechanism set up to just uh, scare people and to intimidate people. And um, boy, I tell you what, it's just not good. But you see, what happened was they were judged. What, what didn't get put on the air was 
They said, we have never refused service to anyone, whether they're gay, straight, who they are. If they come in and they want pizza, we, we make pizza for them. That's what she said. We've never refused service to anyone and don't plan to refuse service to anyone. But I don't think we would go and cater at the wedding. It's all that she said. Judging is going on all the time. Don't feel if the news media or anyone else comes into your home, comes into your place of business, comes meets you on the street, don't ever feel like you need to answer them. Because they're not looking for the truth. They're looking to catch you. He says, don't cast your pearls before swine. It doesn't mean that everybody doesn't believe like you with swine. It means don't give something valuable to someone who doesn't see the value in it. That's all it's saying. It's not calling people pigs. It's saying a pig doesn't understand the value of a pearl. Don't give it to them. That's all. Watch your words. Jesus did not give what was valuable to those who would not value it. He taught in parables for the purpose that they would not have the truth. He was not going to give anything valuable to people who didn't see the value. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He's saying, just be careful with this. Go out there and help people. But not, just understand, how you judge people is how God's going to look at you to judge. So how do you want to be judged? How do you want God to look at you? Look at other people in the same way. If you're seeing them having a problem, get out there and help them. But first, before you do that, before you go and you take that speck out of their eye, before you, before you get involved with that, make sure that the same issue isn't in your life. And you deal with that issue in your life. And then once you deal with it in your life and you realize, I had that issue in my life, I took care of that issue, now you're going in there not from a place of being superior, but from a place of being a helper. You're going in to be a cleanser. That's what you want to that's what God wants to do. There are some people in the Christian circle, of course, in other places too, there are some people who are experts at finding dirt. Expert dirt finders. I mean, if there's dirt to be had, they can find it. There are some people who make it their business to go around exposing dirt. All they want to do is expose the dirt. Here's the dirt. Dirt is right here. It's dirty. Yuck. That's all they do. They just they go around and they expose it. There are some people who are great at finding spots. You've got a spot there. You, you came into church. You were all dressed up. You thought it was good. Did you know you had a spot right there? They're experts at finding spots. And they point out the spot. And until you know the spot is there, you don't think anything of it. Now you know the spot is there. What do you think? Everybody's looking at my spot. I got a spot. I got... They're experts at finding the spot. If you go into the dry cleaner... You, you generally, I got a spot right here. And you point at the spot because we want the, the spot to be taken care of. But what we need in the Christian circles, folks, is people who can clean the dirt. Who can clean. Not, not work around exposing it. Not just find it. Not just be a spot pointer outer. But someone who can come in there and say, give me that. I'll clean it up for you. We need some cleaners. Example that Jesus was giving us was we need 
to be cleaners. He says, I can do the ultimate cleaning. I can do the cleaning that you can't do. I can restore you to a place of righteousness before God. What I need you to do is to restore people to a place of fellowship among you. Are we following his example? Are we being cleaners? Are we more at home at finding the dirt? Exposing the dirt? Pointing out the spots when a clean garment? Or are we experts at cleaning that up? Not exposing it to everybody. Just getting in there and just, I'm going to help this one out. Look at some of the words that you have. Sometimes the words we have in our family. Sometimes the words we have to our children. Sometimes the words we have to our spouses are pointing out the dirt. Sometimes in churches, we say words that point out the faults, the shortcomings, the dirt. But we need to have words that are words of cleansing. Words of love. Words that say, let's get over this. That's the example that Jesus was giving us. On the day that he knew it was his last day. This is the day, he said, this is what I need to teach them. This is what I need to reaffirm with them. Have we got that message? How many of y'all know it's real easy to see the dirt? It's real easy to point out the dirt. It's real easy to find the spots. But it's hard to clean. Are you a cleaner? Are you a finder? Are you an exposer? Are you a pointer? Listen to your words. In the ministry that you, the ministries that we have, listen to your words. Do your words mimic what Jesus is doing in this room? Or do your words seem harsher? I think what's neat is when Jesus was washing their feet, they all dirty feet. He never... He did it silently. He didn't say, well, you, your feet are really dirty. <laughs> Man, what did you get into? He didn't do any of that. He just went to each one and he cleaned them up. Are we cleaners? Or are we spot checkers? Are we dirt finders? Are we exposers? What are we? Because on the last night that Jesus was with his disciples, this is the lesson he wanted them to get. How important do you think it was? I'll tell you what, I think this is huge. We've taught on this before. You all know a lot of these things that were in this passage. But are we doing this on a daily basis? Are we doing this on a daily basis? Brother Keith Moore was talking about a situation. He was on a plane ride. He was sitting next to a guy who was a sinner. Didn't believe in God. And as they were conversing, he asked them the ultimate question, what do you do? I'm a preacher. Oh. And he was expecting him to come on in there and to just lay into him for his language because he hadn't used the best language. For other things, and Brother Keith didn't do a thing about it. He just, that was it. Didn't talk about it anymore. And so 
He was using this example. He says, he says we've got to learn to bait people. He said, when you go fishing, you know, you've got you to put that bait out there and you've got to wait for them to bite. So he just put it out there. After a while, he came by and he was asking some more questions about, about him being a preacher. And he just answered them real quick. Didn't get anything real long. And he said, uh, did it a few more times. He said he was nibbling. He's, he's, he's checking out the bait. And then finally, he bit. <laughs> finally, he did. And he was able to, to talk. But he was expecting him to condemn him for his lifestyle, condemn him for his words. And here's a, here's a truth that we ought to get hold of, folks. No one is in hell because they smoke. No one is in hell because they cuss. No one is in hell because of their lifestyle. People are in hell because they reject Jesus. Go in there. Help clean them up. Help clean them up. Don't condemn them. Don't point them out. Think of the, think of the thing. I tried. I, I work hard at this. I sure hope that I, I accomplish it. But I work hard as your pastor to make sure I don't go around and point out all of your shortcomings. I work hard to make sure I don't focus on your shortcomings. I try and focus on what you do that's good, what you do that's right, what you do that's edifying. Do you do the same thing with those that you minister to? Because that's what Jesus is trying to get us to do. On the last day he had with his disciples, this is what he focused on. Are we drawing people to God? Or are we just demanding perfection? Which one mimics what Jesus would do? Think of the Pharisees. Think of the Sadducees. Think of all the other religious leaders. How did they deal with the people they were under? Contrast that with how Jesus did. Who do you want to be more like? Pharisees, we caught this one in adultery. Oh, look what this one did over here. Look at what your disciples did. Look what you did. Do we want to be among those? Or do we want to be among Jesus? Daughter, where are those who condemn you? <laughs> They've gone. What does Jesus say? I love his words. Neither do I condemn you. Are our words life-giving or condemning? Let God work with you on that. Because we want to be what he wants us to be. We want to follow his example. Y'all stand up. Do you have a song to end on? Glory to God. Father, we thank you. You have called us into this ministry of being a cleanser. Jesus is the ultimate cleanser and we're little cleansers. <laughs> but we can bring people into the family into the fold we can make people feel at home we can make people feel loved we can help people not feel like everybody's looking at my spot everybody can tell that I'm a little dirty we can help people overcome that Father we thank you for the help that you give us in this. we want to become better cleansers than we ever have before that there is no dirt, no thing that they can do to us that we cannot forgive, we cannot restore them, we cannot cleanse them. But you said in the same passage, don't put your 
pearls before swine. But when people will value it, we can bring to a place that they can see the value of oh, glory to God.